and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's your favorite Mexican-American Gemini from South Texas. It's Chibi. And she's the lipstick-loving Salvadorican from Brooklyn, New York. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. What up, Rocky? Hi, Chibi. How are you doing? I mean, we're getting by. We're getting by as best we can. It's been a week, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. It really definitely has, I think. But, you know, we always talk about how every week there's something, right? Um, and then unfortunately, I feel like this week was another unfortunate type of news um, for a different type of community of color, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think we really can't get into today's show without just acknowledging uh, the horrendous hate crime that happened, you know, in the Atlanta area this past week. And our our hearts go out to the the families and the victims involved, as well as the entire Asian American Pacific Islander community that's just been going through so much in the past year because of the bullshit uh, that has been propagated by people like our former president and uh they his his followers you know exactly exactly i feel like you know they've been a target from day one um ever since coronavirus hit i just i know especially <clears throat> in new york when the virus came out and the previous you know administration i won't say it but he would use these like very racial slurs to describe the virus and i just remember chinatown basically it was just like shut down they were suffering you know and they were being targeted with so much hate crime and you would think that you know a year anniversary you know we've maybe you have grown we have a new administration but here we are you know still you know different communities experiencing that hate which is so unfortunate yeah so our hearts go out to all these communities if you are in need of resources or if you mm -hmm. want uh to know of ways that you can help uh, we have put a link in our Instagram bio to a document that is just a collection of resources for the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, as well as ways that you can help, uh, places that you can donate, places that need your assistance. So please make sure to check that out. Uh, it's really sad and unfortunate, the things that have happened. Um, and it just continues also to just... It just sits really, really bad in me where, as as someone from the South, you know, that people like this person uh, continue to be like what comes to the forefront of people's minds when they think about the South, right? This like stereotype of, of white, racist, gun-toted, bigoted, Bible-thumping people, you know, when the, it, it dismisses the, the, the identity of the South was so rich with diversity uh, and with so many different cultures here, you know? It really, it really is. I mean, like for a perfect example, like Houston, right? Houston is so diverse. You have um, Latinx, um, Black and Brown, and then you also have like a huge Asian, you know, American community. And I feel like when I tell people that even in New York, I was like, oh yeah, you can get one, some of the best Asian food in Houston. And they're like, what? And it is, it's just so rich. Um, and then I think for a lot of communities of color, you know, we we don't always have to perpetuate these, uh, this, stereotypes we actually are always constantly fighting against those you know systems of oppression and it's the south is complicated but the south i think is so beautiful and vast and people i i'm i think i'm so tired of especially you know since i'm in the east coast and i i claim texas as home 
um, that people really like to and want to dismiss the South, right? Like are saying like, oh, they, they deserve this. No, they don't deserve this. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're just human, just like everyone else. Yeah, there's a richness uh, in community down here, you know, and when I say down here, I really mean across the entire South, you know, uh, there's such a connection between the communities across all these states uh, that we're constantly supporting and uplifting each other. Uh, one of the most beautiful ways that I see that is in the Southern Fried Regional Poetry Festival, uh, which if anyone has uh, knows, if you don't know anything about the Southern Fried Regional Poetry Festival, it is the largest regional poetry festival in the country mm -hmm. is bringing poets. That's right. Boris says word. Uh, we're watching the comments y'all. So use the comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also let us know where you're tuning in from. You know, are you from the South? If you're not, that's okay. We won't hold it against you. But um, Southern Fry being one of those places where like every year when we would come together, it's just this giant family reunion of people from all the way from the Carolinas down to Florida, all the way to Texas. And that's what we considered was like the Southern fried region, but it's expanded mm -hmm. to where like we got people from, uh, you know, New Mexico, California, Maryland, New York, Indiana, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone. <laughs> well, it said Boris blues. So I went to <laughs> Boris. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we just, it, the communities come together and we're coming together from all across this great southern region uh but when we come together we strength we're, we're stronger together right exactly and not only that like i definitely know when the whole drama dropped with the poetry ink right and just the <laughs> everything that was going on southern fry like slow fried was one of those um organizations that are like you know what we will accept people from all over the states right so again the south we they're big they have a big heart and they have that nice southern hospitality so i love the south you know mm -hmm. um <laughs> and we don't force people to take an extra step of putting sugar in their iced tea it's already mm -hmm. sweetened y'all just like our people, right? <laughs> In any case, our feature today is part of Southern Fried family, uh, Southern Fried uh, lore, Southern Fried just like awesomeness. Tell us, please, Rocky, about our uh, our guest tonight. With uh, with pleasure. Um, so Jay Ward is a poet and teaching artist from Charlotte, North Carolina. He is a National Slam champion. Uh, for 2018, an individual World Poetry Slam champion in 2019, which is a huge deal, y'all, and the author of Sing Me a Lesser Wound that was published by Bull City Press in 2022, so, or 22, 2020, y'all, <laughs> sorry, I was like, oh, we out here in the future. It was published um, in the future. <laughs> um, Jay currently serves as the program director for Breath uh, Breathe Inc. serves as vice chair on the board of the Water and Hole and is part of several um, committees for art events in Charlotte. Ward has attended um, Bread Loaf Writers Conference, Hallelujah, the Water and Hole, and Tin House Winter Workshop. His work can be found in Crab Fat Magazine, Like a Daisy Lit Mag, Four Way Review, Diode Poetry Journal, and additionally on in Poetry, All Deaf Poetry, and Slam Fine. Wow. <laughs> What a bio, y'all. Um, yes. So please, please, please welcome our esteemed guests, one of the most like champion of the champions, Jay Ward. 
Show some love in the comments for Jay Ward. Yo! <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you all. Yo. Yes. We're excited to have you. Rocky's like, yeah! Who y'all are really got me hyped. Oh, Lord. It's something that, like, I know I've been missing. I, I'm sure you have, too. And just kind of, like, get this idea of just coming back together as a community. Like, I can't wait till we can get back to this. Oh, yeah. my God. I know. I'm excited. I'm hopefully I'll go to like San Antonio and be like, hey, can you like let me host? Just let me be on stage. Let me just interact. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it's so great to have you, um, Jay. I've, you know, we've been following your success and so, so fried. Um, I think you are definitely a voice of the South, one of the most iconic voices of the South, right? Um, from the spoken world um, community. So, and I think you're just like a dope person. <laughs> This Yay. is true. This is true. And if you love regular Jay Ward, wait till you get to know drunk Jay Ward. That is a person to know. Whoa! <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, started not only at Southern Fraud, but it started in uh, San Antonio. Mm -hmm. of drunk Jay was in San Antonio. <laughs> so, I was not there, but I heard the story. So yeah. wow, we really are just like spilling with you right away. Sorry. <laughs> Hold on, let me just take one more step because I was like, whoa. There we go. I'm going to get um, a refill in a moment. <laughs> so every time we bring someone into our po podcast, you know, obviously you're going to be sharing a lot of intimate things about you. We're going to get to know you. And you're. I feel like you're already one of our friends. So we always do a little check-in. And it's basically, I ask, how's your heart doing, friends? Like, how's your heart doing this week, this month, this year? Like, through this, like... Banderia, I don't, how, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, I'm, I'm good. Um, it's been, it's been a year. Um, it's, it's, I don't know how to, ex I don't know how to describe it other than a year. It's been, it's been crazy. Uh, a lot of adjustments and a lot of, uh, a lot of repercussions from ignorance that was planted um, four years ago, which I think you kind of talked about at the top of the show. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't, uh, I can't complain in terms of the quarantine. Um, I, I really hope that the pandemic era is on its way out with the vaccines and with, um, with uh, better hygienic practices um, and a return to whatever normal might look like for us. But um, overall, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing good, I guess. Mm, good. Good to it's hear. Good to hear. Right. I'm good. I'll, I'll drink a little bit later and then the answers will get less boring. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. I think it's so funny that people are just uh, are so up about, you know, like hygienic practice is so important. I was watching an interview with uh, Eddie Murphy. He was just like, I've been washing my hands 20 oh, times yeah. a day for the past, you know, 40 years. Like, y'all need to get on this bandwagon. Okay. Y'all yeah. nasty. Yeah. dude. Like, I'm not yeah. touching people when the world opens back up again. <laughs> I know. It's just like, what do you mean you don't know how to wash your hands? What? Right. Like in between, not like, you know? We need a song. But the number of colds and flus have gone down dramatically just from people doing the basic stuff that they should have been doing uh, from the time they were talking. Which goes to show they weren't doing it before. <laughs> Y'all nasty. I ain't touching you when the world opens back up again. I'm going to elbow people for the rest of my life. I've decided. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, before we jump into the poetry and really into the conversation, we want to open up the show with a segment that we like to call speed dating. Mm -hmm. And it's just a way to, we're going to shoot some questions at you just for the audience to quickly get to know you. And audience, that comment section is there for your use. Please use it. Um, so feel free to answer these questions as uh, concisely or as in-depth as you feel like you need to. We, we, we may, you know, dive into your answers a little bit. We may just, you know, accept them and move on. But uh, let's start with first question. What is your favorite thing about Charlotte, North Carolina? Wow. Um, so I moved here from, uh, from the D.C., Maryland area which was really, really fast paced. And I didn't realize how fast it was until I, I, I look at it like a hamster. Like you don't know that you're just moving until you get off the wheel. So uh, I think I think the the main thing is that it's slower. It's not too slow, but it's, it's slower and not so fast paced. Mm. Mm. That's basically it. Yeah, I feel like when I came back to New, to New York and New Jersey, I was like, I'm too slow for these people, right? <laughs> As a Southerner, I relate. I like that answer. Okay. <laughs> that's cute. That's cute. Um, all right. So, Jay, what's your go-to drink, especially on Poets Up, your podcast? So, well, my go-to drink is uh, Hennessy. <laughs> uh, I, like, I, like, I like cognac, and Hennessy is the stereotypical uh, mascot drink uh, for me. But um, on the Poet Up podcast, it's bourbon, because Jamal usually supplies all the <laughs> all the liquor and he's a bourbon guy. So uh, we've been drinking Old Tub lately, which is, um, it. it's really good. It shouldn't be good with a name like that, but it's really good. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? We all know the best liquors are made in an old tub. The best yeah. drugs are made in an old tub. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't cooked in someone's bathroom, then I ain't paying premium for it. Yeah, basically. It's not moonshine or some sort, but okay. Okay, we're, we're learning things. Go for it. We'll take it. All right, here we go. My favorite question to ask: What is your favorite dish? Man, um, chili and cornbread. Mm. Mm. Spoken like a true southerner. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Do you also like? Are you partial just like regular cornbread, or do you like jalapenos near cornbread? So, so I, I do like jalapenos in my cornbread. It's just not a, it's not a, it's not a thing where I'm from. So I'm just mm. I like the regular cornbread. But when I'm when I'm able to get it with jalapenos in it, it's good. Yeah. One of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the Southern Fried Family my chili because I make some damn good chili. I'm just yes. We can't go with one day. We got to put a date on this. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Southern mm. Fried 2022. Back in San Antonio. Chibi's chili. <laughs> All right, and this is going to be our last question, okay? So what kind of superpower would you want and would you need it for good or evil? I'm always the person that, that answers this wrong. I feel like everybody else either goes with flight or they go with uh, invisibility or something like that or strength. And mm -hmm. um, I, don't I don't have an answer. Um, I would definitely use it for good, whatever the power was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I would have the power of you know, I think is underrated the power of, of luck. Is that domino? I think that's domino. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, like, if you talk about Harry Potter, I just definitely know there's a little lucky. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 uh, it's the, como se llama? Uh, Scarlet Witch, the power of probability. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, maybe. Is that what you would choose? What would you, what would you guys choose? Oh, me? Mind reading. I'm so insecure about everything that I, I want to know what people are thinking so that I don't have to guess that easily. That would be my answer. Yeah. I think I would do something like Black Canary where I could just like do supersonic with my voice. Right. Very like feminist, like, I want to use my voice. <laughs> like, how do these men? <laughs> metaphor, super poetic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very Sindel from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh, so Rocky said that was the last question, but I, I got to ask this question that Blues uh, threw up. Uh, do you believe in wearing matching sweaters? Mm. I don't know what this question means, <laughs> but you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, Blues. Uh, yeah, so my fiance and I, we, we wear matching sweaters uh, a lot. Sometimes. So that's, that's mm. you know, Good to know. See, speed dating. We're getting to know you. All right. Well, <laughs> that was just a taste of the of uh, the conversation. We're going to dive more, dive deeper into the conversation uh, in a little bit. But right now, what we want to do is hand the show over to you. Before we do, again, to the audience that's watching out in uh, YouTubeville and Facebooklandia, mm -hmm. use the comment section. Show some love in the comment section. Um, also, ask your questions. When we come back into the conversation, uh, we will be taking questions from the audience if you put them in the comment section. We have our own, but this is your chance to be part of the conversation. So use that comment section, people. Um, that being said, we're going to bounce out of here. Jay, please give us some poetry. Okay. All right. Um I'm really, really excited to share some stuff with y'all. I, I, up until about maybe 30 seconds ago, I really didn't have an idea what I was going to share, but uh, I got some things pulled up here. So we'll, we'll go back and forth between reading a little bit and uh, maybe performing a little bit. Um, so, so this is a newer poem. Uh, the, the original draft of this was probably a year and a half ago. I just didn't know what I wanted to do with it. So um, I don't know how this is going to go over in Texas. Uh, I am a Cowboys fan. However, um, this poem is kind of... Um, against Jerry Jones a little bit. Um, so it's um, it's kind of an erasure poem that plays around sonically, but um, it's an erasure of stuff that he didn't actually say. It's just, it's just my interpretation of things that he said to his players during the NFL boycott um, and, and his whole viewpoint on the NFL boycott, um, which makes one of the things that makes it hard to be a Cowboys fan. Um, so Jerry Jones addresses his players regarding the NFL boycott. Listen, uh, ain't no slave if you get paid, and a field ain't antebellum if you own one instead of in one. Don't confuse what we gave you for something you earned. Wait, a cotton-picking minute ain't training camp hours, just like good old pigskin ain't chitlins. You conflating patriots with runaways, not my boys. Holdouts might get cut. Where is your hand? On your heart or wallet or over your mouth? Yes, over your mouth. Your speech is free, but muffled deep in the heart of Texas. We play for the lights and for the song. Dance, dance. I said, dance. I said, you know how many folk would kill to be you in this house, my house? I said, I love all God's boys, but under these stars, we just praise America's team. You best show up, shut up, and that's just how it is between owners and you 
entertainers should know better. Imagining your knee could change America's channel. Uh, so that's that poem. Um, a lot of the work I've been doing lately has been kind of messing around with uh, erasure and, and what that can do and what it can look like. Um, and in the process of doing that, I was I was talking to people and they, they said, why don't you play with, instead of just erasing text out, like adding super text in um, and really play around with what um, what erasure can do uh, in a poem. So that was one of the things that was that was born from that. Um, and since we're on a kind of a sports theme here, I guess I'll, I'll do this one. Um, this poem, this poem was born from just doing research because I'm always Googling stuff. And uh, in Googling stuff, I was, it's, it's never surprising when uh, blackness is erased in, in the things that you're looking for. Uh, so the title of this poem is Google Image Search Boston Massacre for Colin Kaepernick and Crispus Attucks and me. We tiptoe the line of protesting and provoking, don't we? Suffer a kind of death, like a hero, a martyr. Takes a while, but searching your name eventually shows the black bleeding on the ground. Mulatto man with my face, song overtaking the mouth. How could I be disrespectful to my owner? I was never a slave. Be careful who you call uppity. I done worked every job likely to kill me. Some say I run for a living, but it ain't that simple. These men look to take my job, livelihood. I don't know if I would go as far as to say patriot when the country I fight for hides my skin but accepts the revolution it sparks. America renames me nuisance, but everyone agrees I was there at the dawn of it, the unlikely woolen afro is framed, falling like my body needs to be convinced it cannot stand anymore. There I am, fell to a knee, sputtering like a song is stuffed in my mouth. Um, so for history buffs, the reason that that is Colin Kaepernick and Crispus Attucks and myself kind of intertwined in this poem is uh, the, the American Revolution, you know, what, what became America was actually started by Crispus Attucks, who was a, a, a person of mixed heritage uh, between a Native American and, and a former slave. Uh, but if you Google Boston Massacre, half the pictures will show him as a, as a black man. So um, that's kind of where that came from. Um, so I, I guess I'll just do two more. Um, th this one is... Um, this one is kind of just one long run on sentence. Forever a protest is just a run on sentence written without hands or gods and never stems from the march turned waterfall of bodies pouring over a police car like wanton flame. Notice 
None of the news outlets refer to these folk as animals or thugs or degenerates. And no one says the aftermath makes it hard to take their protests seriously because really they were just expressing themselves after their football team lost or their soccer team won or a statue came down. And who even wrote the sentence, if we are speaking legalities, when elsewhere a man walking backwards is a threat. Ralph Ellison's gun is a threat. Every shroud that names us exaggeration is the body cam footage finally released, but only partial. So Fox News quotes Rodney King instead of Martin Luther King. Can't we all just get along? And maybe they don't know what King actually said was a riot is the language of the unheard because they were too busy not hearing it while the boy died or the girl was kicked or they both died twice, buried by stacks of resistant limbs because justice is irresistible. My question is, if Trump says bad cops are human and make mistakes too, and then a cop in the sky is quoted as saying the guy with his hands up looks like a bad dude, and later a white supremacist is taken alive and to Burger King after killing everyone in the church, are we praying to heaven or feeding an idol? Or maybe the question is, how do we do this so it makes sense? stops when it's supposed to? Why do we have to break rules in the name of clarity just to be scolded for use of particular grammar? Notice my hand is not in this. The ink keeps moving on its own, red and indelible. Notice how tiring it can be not seeing color. We see blood and you see black. We see protest and you see black words. We see poetics and you see ceaseless volleys that pain the ears but go unheard become an exodus labeled beast, meaning it's easier to focus on words than injustice, broken windows than oppression, meaning if it exposes you to the problem and you yelp and I misquote King, a hit dog will holler, or I misquote God, we will tire out if we don't win the race for life then and then and then and then I will stand on a street corner in my Sunday best screaming all the scarlet text that apathetic passers by. Who wrote this poem but you? Who but the zealot who scribes himself holy? Um. All right, so I'm just going to do one more. Hopefully, that's that's my uh, that's my 15 minutes, so that's my time. Um, uh, yeah, I'll do this next one, which was kind of um, birthed by um, gentrification and just seeing the things that were happening not only in my local community but in other people's local community around the country. Um, and I wanted to. This is this is one of the the, the advice that I give young writers or, or give writers in general whenever I'm workshopping is uh, to find yourself in the poem, like where's the you? Because uh, sometimes we write about a topic and we hold that topic out here and we don't get ourselves in it. Um, so I had to look at like how it's affected me and how it's affected people that I know and like real arts communities where I've seen artists forced out um, and not being able to, to make a livable income uh, because people come in to make the area better, you know? Um, so that's where this poem comes from, and, and it's been a while since I've done it, so hopefully, hopefully I get through it. We'll get through it together. <clears throat> In the beginning was the word. The word was amen. And amen 
begat paradise. Paradise begat a flaming sword, begat eviction, begat you don't belong here, begat redlining, begat you don't belong here either, begat give us this land back, begat urban renewal, begat my neighbors got a deal on a house I can't afford anymore. Brook Hill Village is one of the last areas of affordable housing left in Charlotte. Its tenants are barely holding on to a neighborhood South Enders are desperately seeking to revitalize. Picture a house, single story, three adults, two children, 700 square feet, shotgun style. Shotgun style means if you open the, the front door and the back door, a bullet would go right through the house without touching anything. Except here, the bullet is a minimum wage paycheck. The bullet says to the shotgun, they laid off and I'm already fired. The shotgun says to the banker, yeah, that's the money shot. The banker says to the investor, don't fail me now, I got rent, baby. The investor says to city council, don't fail me now, I got rent, baby. The baby says, why, 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 I'm a baby. But here's the point. The baby plays with blocks too. They all play with blocks. The gentrified block, the only block that can't milly rock. Block ain't hot, block is got. Block don't want you to live here because it decreases the value, but they want you to shop here to increase the value. The block don't want you, but it wants you. The block is guarded like a flaming sword, like a word from a banker. It says things like, happy are the poor, and maybe the poor are happy because we still understand what it means to pay last month's rent with this month's check, or next week's light bill with last week's grocery money, or go to a job we hate just so a family we love can have enough to barely eke by, but still understand what it means to have a family worth eking by for, really, it's happier are the banks, since they shall inherit the land. If it's happier the poor, when does the house give way to the Starbucks? When does the child give way to the pipeline? When does your grandma have to move clear across town just to make way for the new Kroger? You know, I, I took a walk through the arts district. I mean, this was after they raised the rent, so artists had to find a new place to live. But I I'm sitting at this bar, and they're playing underground hip-hop music, and there's basketball players painted on the wall. And I walk past a karaoke party where college kids are singing the words to Kanye's Gold Digger, except they only know the words to the chorus. She ain't messing with no broke Nick. You know what? Some folk love to be surrounded by black and brown culture, but not necessarily by black or brown people. Let the church say amen. But here's the point. The bank ain't never been our God. Money ain't never been our Messiah. We got too much faith built up in family to convince us that losing a building could ever touch an everlasting foundation. Brook Hill says to the bullet, no. The bullet says to the shotgun, no. The shotgun says to the banker, to the investor, to the city council, this is my block. We will not allow another nota. Brook Hill says no. Paradise says no. The word says, ain't you the paradise? And ain't you been resurrected before? And ain't this black and brown gonna last forever, forever, ever, forever, ever? Yes. And ain't this poem just a prayer? In the beginning was the word. And the word was, amen. Thank you. Applause, applause, applause. First of all, that applause is lit. Wow. Yeah. I mean, lit applause for a lit performance, yo. <laughs> it really was. It really was. I was just, I think I go, I love your candence. Every time you, you know, you do your poem, 
there's definitely like rhythm to it. And I just was like, yes, let me just move my body to that rhythm. Um, if you don't know, but um, Chibi always loves to see me while the poets <laughs> read because I'm just like wilding the fuck out where I'm like in my emotions just crying. <laughs> Rocky is like the, the best audience member, like the one you want sitting in the front row at your poetry slam because she's going to be doing this. She's going to be now. Like, she's going to be watching. Rocky and Yah. Rocky and Yah oh, are yeah. the people you want at your poetry slam because they will wild the fuck out at your. I poetry. will. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I appreciate y'all. No, we we appreciate you. Like you just came out with like these words, and I'm just like, oh, I'm still digesting them. I'm still trying to sit with them. Um, I think they're just very poignant about you know the time, especially when Tibby and I set up. This, this podcast is episode, you know, we're talking about communities, we're talking about what it means to have a riot to to be heard. And uh, I think you're all these poems, I could probably think that you did this on purpose, right? You select those um, those poems on purpose for this this episode and what's going on. So I appreciate it. I really do. I, I think maybe the like the radio frequencies made me pick them because I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it worked out. It's the cosmic universe, you know, that's just kind of like doing all that. So let me let me start by asking then um, on the subject of community, kind of like in the places that we're from and things like that. So you published, uh, you had your micro chat book published last year with Bull City Press, right? Uh, Sing Me a Lesser Wound. Um, and in it, you really dive into these ideas of like, Southern masculinity, of, of Southern identity, of home, right? And the, and the search, the search for home, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about that collection, just kind of like how it came about. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's funny because it really jives with what you all were talking about earlier. Um, the, the opportunity to put, this, to put this little micro collection together, it was really important to me uh, to talk about the South and, and the way that I wanted to talk about the South. And I didn't want all the poems to be about the South. I wanted the poems to be through the lens of this Southern heritage. And the idea that, um, you know, the South is complicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Trying to explain that to people, you know, from, from a different region is hard because they only know what they've seen in the movies or what they hear in pop culture. Um, and it, it's complicated. You know, there are some things about the South that are not great. Um, but when you're raised here, it's kind of like when you're raised with sibling or when you're raised with family, you can talk bad about family. You, nobody else can talk bad about your family. And that's kind of how it is with the South. So, well, for me anyway. So it, it really felt good to me to be able to, to write through the lens of this, this Southern heritage and, and figure out what that means for me to, to, be, to be black, to be also of, of mixed race heritage uh, and identify as black um, and, and through this Southern lens and be able to talk about a variety of things. And also like to be able to shout out my hometown, which is a very small hometown. Like my, my hometown is, is pretty small. Uh, when I was growing up, we had one hazard light. I think right now there's two lights in the town. Uh, but when I was growing up, there wasn't a light, there was a hazard light. It, you know, it was, a, it was a super small town, but it was also segregated, not officially segregated, but you know, the white people lived over here and the black people lived over here. And that's just the way it always was. Um, so being able to shout out my hometown and, and to be able to talk about the rural South uh, was really important to me. Um, so, so all those poems kind of, kind of either do that or talk about something else through the lens of growing up in the South. 
Mm. And, mm. and there's definitely, if I, if I can dive in a little bit, you know, like you, you mentioned while you were uh, in, in your set about how, when you teach, you talk about like bring, bringing it into the personal, right? How oftentimes we write about something, but we keep it at a distance. And you definitely do that in in this work, you know, and you can sense it because there's a lot of pride in in the work that you do. But also there is this kind of like moment of um, of examination, right, where you where you question it, too. You know, like uh, you have this line in Inheritance. Um, Dad reminds me during an argument that the only thing he can give me is his name as reflection and his religion as legacy. And what is he if I walk away from either, right? So you're both up upholding kind of like where you come from, but also examining it at the same time. Um, so how is that, um, you know, like threading that needle? Why is that so important in, in your work and what you do? Yeah, um, man, first of all, I appreciate that question. Um, and I appreciate I appreciate that you have the collection and that you, and that you've read it. I mean, so much to me. Um, I I, um, I admire so many poets on the scene, um, and everybody in Pluto Slam. I think you all know how much I admire you all as poets and people. So that means a lot to me. Um, some of the questions that I've been trying to answer for years kind of revolve around my dad, and they revolve around the South, and they revolve around identity. Um, and I, I was in a workshop and. The, the 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 leader of the workshop was um, was Bobby Francis, and she was talking about finding like the unanswerable question, like what are the mm -hmm. what are the things that drive you that you're you either can't answer or you're too afraid to delve into. And mm -hmm. for me, the things I would always be writing about, I would always be writing about my dad, and I would always be writing about uh, the South, but I didn't know why. And part of the reason why was because I was still trying to, I was still trying to approach something that I was scared to approach. Mm. Um, and so mm. I, I kind of challenged myself to face that fear, to, to write about those things. Cause you know, I've written poems about my dad. I've written poems about my dad's death before, but it wasn't until, it wasn't until the poem, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, the 2018 Iwits, uh, I think that's the one that Slam Find has up. It wasn't until that poem that I actually faced everything that I was trying to say. Like those themes came up in those poems because I, I wasn't saying what I wanted to say. I wasn't mm -hmm. facing the fear I had. So, so once I faced that fear and wrote those poems, then it doesn't feel as necessary to, to write about those things, which means when I do write about them, I can write about them with clarity and focus in on what I want to focus in on without yeah. my mind subconsciously trying to say, you know, why do you feel so guilty? <laughs> um, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, I think that's so interesting. And I, I, I love that. I love that how you were talking about you were always trying to approach right, these subjects. But it wasn't until, you know, you actually delved into it and you were able to face them. Um, I kind of also want to like, also do a little bit of a variation of like Chibi's question, especially your voice. I want to talk about your voice because with their last, the last poem that you read about the gentrification, right? This upholding and examining that Chibi was saying, I definitely see that with like how you kind of take a step back and you have this conversation with the audience and then you almost like a way of breaking the fourth wall and then going straight into this like very poetic um, spoken word type of candence. And I was just wondering like, um, where did that develop? Why do you, why do you write like that? And why is it so important to kind of almost break that fourth wall and talk to, you know, people with that candence or with that voice? Mm, great question. 
Um, uh, I mean, part, part of it is, I think, I, I try to be as conversational as possible. I try to be in conversation with the reader or with the audience as much as possible. But I think the other part of it specifically, specifically for slam and spoken word is um, I, I almost, I almost write stage pieces as if they're group pieces. Um, mm. I want, I want it to be multiple voices. I, I want, I want the, the audience to feel like they're in the conversation. So mm. I, I always, um, yeah, I always write it like there's there's multiple voices, and then I try to make the multiple voices sound like me, but also, you know, give some kind of sonic break um, in, in the poem so that that people have a chance to to sit back and think about what was said, listen, form their own answer in their own head. So that's like, oh yeah, you know, that's my answer, and then I'm also saying their answer. So it's, so there's there's a conversation happening. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a, a big part of like people that come from the slam uh, world is that we are in constant conversation with the audience. You know, it's not like it's not like the page where like somebody that reads your poem can go back and read it again and again and again and just, you know, kind of try and dive into it. You got one chance. You got one chance in three minutes to get your message across. Uh, mm -hmm. And you definitely do a brilliant job of just kind of like driving that message um, in a way that is that is both. Uh, evocative and and thought provoking, but also digestible, right? Yes. Um, yes. So I'm curious because you know you 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 come from a slam background. You've got this uh, chapbook through Bull City Press. Somebody was asking how they can get a copy of it. Go to bullcitypress.com. Um, I assume that's the best way to do yep. it. Mm -hmm. um, so you you you've. You, you're on both sides of it, right? People like to divide the poetry community between page and stage, and I'm all for merging that divide. Um, how, ha how have you kind of navigated that transition from stage to page or that merger of the two? Um, I, I, think, I think it took a while, but I, the workshops I was getting into, which I was super surprised, but some of the workshops I was getting into were mainly you know, page or, or, or literary poets. Um, and I think all that taught me was we use the same tools. You know, it's, it's all, I, I just, I don't look at page, I don't look at page poetry and stage poetry as like two different genres, like poetry is poetry and that's that. And then you have different mediums. So like in, in visual art, if you're using a different medium, that might mean you use a different tool and it might also mean you use a different technique, um, you know, like between charcoal and like watercolor, you know? But it's still visual art, it's, and the goal is still the same. And for the most part, all the like the aspect, the ratios, and all this stuff that plays into it, it's all the same. And that's how I view poetry. And what you what you said is actually spot on. Um, the medium of spoken word or performance poetry requires that it be a little more accessible, um, uh, that they can get it immediately because they can't sit with it on the page. Um, mm -hmm. But it allows you to really hone in and channel people's emotions. And on the page, you have to work a little harder to channel people's emotions. Um, I, I don't look at one as better than the other. It's just two different mediums. Uh, and so for me, navigating them, uh, I, I, there are people, there are people who are really, really good, and their page work could also be stage work, and their stage work could also be page work. That's not me. Um, I think I know my limitations. My 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 stage work is is written for the stage. It's it's written mm -hmm. for. Um, 
And the work that I do on the page is written for that medium. And what I do is I try to do my best to convey the exact thing I'm trying to convey on the stage, just modify it for the page is, is what I do. I mean, but, but there are writers who don't have to modify it because their writing is so stellar. Um, I, I have to work too hard and I don't have the natural talent for that. <laughs> but, um, that but that's how I try to navigate it. I, I, I try to present the same experience, uh, just recognizing that they're two different mediums. Yeah, I was about to ask you like how that transition, right? How your your work that's specifically for the stage goes into the paper, um, especially when you're talking about having these multiple voices and how do you really portray or write those multiple voices on the paper when you don't have those like pauses that, you know, or your different voices you bring on, you know? Yeah, um, I, I just reading other poets cause I didn't know I didn't know how to do it. And, and in many ways, I'm still really, really learning how to do that. I think I think my voices are probably more singular in, in my page work right now. Um, but but there are writers who take you know attraction in the middle of the poem or who digress and make gestures towards the reader who kind of break that fourth wall exactly like, like I said before. And it's and it's really effective um, as a reader being in the middle of the poem and then there's this gesture towards you. Uh, it can be disconcerting or it can really add value to the poem. Uh, so reading other poets and seeing how they do it. And, and also, I, I guess I should say too, um, so many poets have crossed that that boundary, that imaginary boundary um, between uh, performance or slam even and, mm -hmm. and work. So reading Patricia Smith, reading Danez, uh, Franny Choi, um, mm -hmm. Anne Walker Bridge, like, so, so many poets. I, I, I don't even know like how to name so many poets that have crossed that that border. Um, also, kind of gives me inspiration and you know and, and figuring out how to how to do that. Most importantly, it's representation. Most importantly, knowing that it can be done. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's yeah. great. Especially, you know, my next question would be, you know, since we're talking about writing your words on paper um, during the shutdown, you know, like this whole quarantine, you've been working on a um, your first full length manuscripts, you know? So what it's, can you tell us like, what does that even mean? And uh, what does that even look like? Um, mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Yeah. And what are you yeah. writing about? Yeah, because I'm going to disagree with you real quick. You saying that like you you translating to the page is not work. Like you had your chapbook published by Bull City Press. You under contract for a manuscript. Like now you bullshit and you you know like you can write for the page. Tell us about this manuscript. <laughs> yeah, but I also wouldn't use any of that work on a on a stage probably. <laughs> um, but thank you. Uh, first of all, um, yeah. So so the the book I'm doing. Um, thanks, Angelo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Angela has been one of my readers uh, for, for the manuscript. I, so I've been working on this manuscript for a long time. I won't say who it's being published by. I'm, I'm under contract, but I'll, I'll let that announcement come out when it comes out. But I will say this. Uh, I started working about five years ago um, on a manuscript that was about being uh, mixed race and, and growing up in the South and, and kind of the things that go along with that. It was a finalist at Right Bloody, uh, and it was also a finalist in Buttons chapbook competition. Um, but it wasn't making the cut. Like it was a finalist, but it wasn't there. Um, mm -hmm. So I sat with it for a couple of years and figured out like, what do I need to do to be able to tell this story? Um, and then I decided that I was going to take each, I was going to do some research on form, which I didn't do anything with form prior to that. So I, I took a few months to, to research forms uh, to figure out what form was good for what and how it worked and to figure out the mechanics of it. And I rewrote, I rewrote each poem in 
form and then broke the form and then took the form and combined it with another form and then broke it again. And, and through that process, just kind of figured out a little bit more about writing, about form, about myself, uh, and kind of put together the, this, this manuscript that I'm really proud of that, um, that examines, it examines form and its effect on poems. It also examines my experiences, both as black identifying and of mixed race. Uh, and of being in the South and, and all those things all together. So um, I think the way I'm putting it together is is creative. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it coming out, uh, but I've done a lot of revision. Like most of, most of the months of quarantine were hammering and breaking and hammering and breaking and then tossing out half of it <laughs> um, and figuring out what works. Um, and then uh, going to, to manuscript classes with a few other people uh, having them tell me what works and what doesn't work and then breaking it and hammering it and breaking it again. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, that's almost to a close. Uh, I worked with a visual artist, too, on some of the poems to try to make them live on paper the way I would want them to live on a stage. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, hopefully it'll be out later this year or early 2022. Mm. I love that. And I mean, according to Angelo, like it's going to change the game. Um, and, and isn't that like the, the constant kind of uh, battle that we, we go through as, as writers is the, you know, like creating and breaking, creating and breaking this back and forth. And I love that you bring up form. Um, Cause similarly, I've been on that same kind of like journey of just kind of like my background's in slam, but let's see what these people are talking about when they say shit like Sestina. All right. Um, and I wrote this down because you were talking about erasure uh, in, in uh, your set. Uh, and I just learned about this form today. Speaking of Franny and Denez, uh, the, the burning high bond. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's where you have a prose poem and then underneath it, you have an erasure of the prose poem. And then underneath that, you have an erasure of the erasure that forms a haiku. You know, that is this idea of like taking a form that exists and then just kind of like making it your own. And it just like, yeah, I've heard of a high bun. I've not heard of a, a burning high bun. And now you're, you're making, you're going to, you're going to make my editor mad. Cause I'm, <laughs> you're going to go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the high bun is just the prose to the haiku. So this takes like that extra step, you know, and it's these things where like when you as a writer, when you start to study form, you know, you really to your point of like revising your chapbook, your poems start to tell you what they want to be, right? What they need to be. What what is that process been like for you specifically? Man, Chibi, you are, that, that, that's a that's such a great question. Um, so 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 in the process of doing this, what I really learned about form um, and what I learned about me in, in writing is that specific forms can can accentuate certain things and bring out certain things. And writing a form, writing a poem free verse is great. I mean, most of my poems are free verse. Writing it, say, in a sonnet might also be great, but a hybrid between those two can really bring out all the things that you wanted to say, but you didn't know you wanted to say it that way. Mm -hmm. um, and the poem does talk to you. The poem really, I mean, I, I've got poems that I threw away. And the reason I threw them away is because the poem doesn't want to say that. <laughs> like, it, it's fine. It sounds good. It looks good. 
But I know the poem didn't want to say that. Mm. It might get published. People might like it, but the poem don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. Don't want to say it that way. Um, and and learning 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 form has has kind of given me tools to figure that out. Um, so so a real interesting tidbit. Um, Seamus Haney, who's a who's an Irish writer and considered one of the one of the best writers um, of his generation and and maybe of all time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he he did this process where he started going back to old forms and he started looking at uh, kinnings. Uh, which are these like two syllable, you know, uh, two word um, descriptions or adjectives or whatever. And um, he took that and he started writing a whole collection based on based on Kinnings and based on like a very strict form of, uh, of meter. And then after that, it's not that he used it in every poem. It's not that every poem had it, but he used it where he needed to. And he, he referred to them as the iambic drums. It governed his work from that point on. He took what he needed from that and then, and then applied it as needed for each poem afterwards. And, and I, I feel like that's what I'm trying to do is, is be informed uh, by the form and by the meter as much as I need to so that I can incorporate it from that point on into, into other poems as yeah. tools, you know, without being tied to form. Mm, wow. I feel like I'm back in like <laughs> my graduate class. Oh my yeah. goodness. I yeah. think that was like one of my very first classes, like is a poetics class of like what you know, what is a poem? We had to learn all the different forms. Um, and I definitely remember um, doing reading a lot of his poems for that reason. Um, you know what? Actually, while we're on the topic of graduate poems or graduate school, right? Um, you know, Jimmy and I heard that you say. Uh, with some friends that y'all started a self-guided MFA. <laughs> so what does that even mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> Talk to the chat. Is, that, is that Angela talking? Is that Angela saying that? <laughs> what? No, no. That that we do our research, friend. Yeah, okay. Do you know what? You do. Um, yeah. So um, I've I've um, I've toyed with the idea of an MFA for a while, but to be honest. I can't fathom spending the money for an MFA um, because I, I, it's just like getting a teaching degree. I, I, I applaud everybody who does it, but like the return on investment isn't there. So I can't imagine doing it, but I love learning. Um, so I talk to people who are in MFA program. Um, I talk to people that lead MFA programs and, and try to get an idea of what they do. Um, and then I put together a, um, I put together a, a curriculum for myself based on the tools that I had available or the tools that I could get and put together like a, a semester program that included reading and research and essays and um, um, like craft talks. Um, and I, I kind of implemented this with myself, with Angelo and with two other, two other writers here in Charlotte, uh, Mariah Monsanto and Kiki Nicole. Um, so we went through kind of one semester, but it was quarantine. So together, mostly what we did was talk about essays and like read our poems to each other and kind of give a, give a, give ourselves like a breakdown of, of each other's poems. Um, but I've been really into like writing essays and writing craft talks. I haven't finished either one, but I've started them and I've kind of got it gotten that structured out. So I'm trying to do what Denise Froman refers to as the people's MFA, mm. um, where, where I'm using what I have available 
to teach myself because because a lot of the MFA classes, I mean, it's not that you don't have access to it, but it is better if you are learning from somebody who already knows and you have somebody that can guide you and lead you there. Um, so my active resistance to paying for an MFA <laughs> is to try to do as much of the research on my own and, and try to uh, apply it as much as possible. So what I'm hearing you say that come fall of 2021, we can sign up for the People's MFA course being taught by Jay Ward and company. Uh, so, so, so People's MFA, copyright, uh, Denise Perlman. Uh, uh, that, that's one of Denise's uh, uh, kind of unofficial projects. However, um, I, I've been talking with some people, and I mentioned this to Denise before, about trying to make it a little bit more, maybe a little bit more official. Um, where we can kind of provide a, a curriculum to uh, to people who want to do that on their own, you know, some kind of guideline for it. But um, but yeah, uh, 2021 is ambitious. Maybe 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I hear you because I'm I'm in the same vein in terms of like I ain't got the time or money to invest in an actual MFA, but I'm going to take all these workshops that I can between now and then mm -hmm. because you know there's sure. so much to 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 continue to learn you know, just took one with Patricia Smith, where really she said, like, if you want to be a better writer, learn form, learn meter, period. That's all, that's all you need. That's all the advice you need. Um, so props to you for taking the initiative to just kind of like craft your own kind of like uh, way of continuing to advance your knowledge and your craft. And clearly it's paying off. So I'm doing that. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, you don't understand, you're already doing more work than majority of like graduate students that like, go for an MFA or any master's program like the fact that you're researching your own things and creating that to make it accessible right and I think that also relates to like spoken word poetry right where you want to make it accessible this idea of like this it should be for the people we shouldn't privatize it we shouldn't just only keep it for the the top ivory you know tower it should be for the people right so good for you good for you so Let's let's speaking of for the people, let's switch gears a little bit to uh, your podcast. All right. <laughs> you have because your podcast is for the people, y'all. <laughs> uh, you you host a podcast along with Blues, who was on here earlier. Uh, and and Malchi, I believe. Yeah, Malchi. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so. Oh, we'll get to that question in a minute. I just saw somebody <laughs> threw a question on there and it distracted me. So you you just started your second season of the podcast. It's called Poet Up. Uh, and it seems like you and us have been dipping into the same well. We've both had Roscoe, Ed Mabry, Icon, Kyla, just to name a few. You know, like how did the idea for this podcast start mm. up and how's it been going? Because again, season two, yay. Yeah, 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 and I love the name too. Like, go ahead, go ahead. I feel like we should have like a little sip of our drink before you answer, just to like cheers, salut. You know, mine's empty again. <laughs> Hello. All right. Uh, so the the idea for the podcast was actually Jamal Cheese, who's uh, Jamal Cohen, is a poet here in Charlotte, um, and he approached me about it after a workshop. Um, so so we decided, okay, well we'll try it. We'll see what happens. We, we'll do this poet up. Podcast. Well, actually, it wasn't called Poet Up then. I think it was called Poets Off Topic. When we, mm -hmm. when we recorded our first episode, I think it was called Poets Off Topic. And our first guest was Blues. So, so, so we did this podcast, and we're drinking. And, and um, by the end of the podcast, Blues was basically like, "So, fellas, I'm part of the podcast now." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm pissed off at Blues because we had him on this show last year and he didn't even mention this. But all right, that's a moving on. Bad Blues. Um, yeah, it just it just seemed it just seemed to fit like chemistry wise. We all we all have our roles as far as like uh, like who asks the ridiculous questions, who asks the good questions, and who's like the color commentary. So it, it kind of worked out. And uh, drinking also makes it super easy. Um, mm-hmm. the, the name Poet Up came it up came up during the podcast. It was. The, the episode was going to be called Poets Off Topic. And then at some point during the podcast, I think Blue said, yeah, let's poet it up. And then I was like, hey, what if it was Poe, like Edgar Allan Poe, it up? And they were like, yo, that's whack. And then we were like, okay, well, then. Bring it back but, in, bring it back in. <laughs> yeah, but... um. Yeah, it's, it's been going well. Um, we like it. It's it's fun. Uh, the guests have been great. Um, and like, congratulations to you on this podcast. This is this is an awesome podcast as well. I don't think I don't think you can have enough. I think we have so much talent out here in the in the poetry community. Um, you, you can't have enough. And I can tell by sitting here right now, like the questions you all are asking and the research you guys are doing. Um, like this is a, this is a podcast everybody needs to listen to. Um, so, so I hope I hope that the audience that is here now stays. But let's find a way to, to grow this podcast as well because this is great. I know, I know. I always so I love because I follow y'all on, on Instagram, and I love the fact that you actually go to a studio. Do you go to right? You go to an actual studio even during quarantine to go and like do it's this? Jamal's house. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we dress it up with microphones and liquor bottle. Um, okay. <laughs> so we do like being together. Like for us, the chemistry, the chemistry was really good between us. And we tried to do like a, we tried to do like a, a, a Zoom where we were all in different places. Yeah. And it was okay, but it's not, it's not the same because half of our chemistry is us like joking on each other um, yeah. and noticing things. Like uh, I think, I think one time Blues tried to unscrew a uh, Crown Royal bottle and mm. we all caught it because it was right there. And so we, you know, we, we rag on each other a lot and I don't know, it, it works better when we're together. <laughs> I love it. And of course it was blues that came up with the name, get that NASCAR money blues. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, you know what, you're entirely right because all of these um, there's a number of like poetry podcasts that are out there uh, that are writing kind of different waves. Like a few years ago, Desiree Della Giacomo um, and and uh, Donnie Rose started uh, Drawl, which was about Southern poets and celebrating like Southern poetry. Uh, there's verses with Danette Smith and Franny Choi that gives me this really heady poetry kind of like vibe that I really enjoy um, listening to y'all's. It's it's just it's just a, a couple of guys just kicking back and talking mm-hmm. shit and having a good time with other poets. Um, and then we've got us and I, you know, if you're watching this, you know what us is. So I'm not going to expand on that. Um, but I appreciate what you do and, uh, adding another voice, adding other voices to this mm-hmm. conversation that, like you said, there needs to be more of it and there needs to be more visibility to it. So lights, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you, <laughs> yeah. I always feel like, you know, especially, you know, poets, I know that, you know, y'all are trying to, it's just about community, right? And to me, it's not a competition, right? I, I definitely want to see you eat. I definitely want to see you grow and flourish and everything. Like, I don't, you know, if we have the opportunity to basically highlight y'all, because y'all are doing, y'all are doing the work, right? Y'all are doing the work. I love a little emoji. I do love your little, 
the logo with the little emojis and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's just like a great time. Y'all just look like a great time. So, you know, hopefully our audience members, like, obviously we know that you're you're not just only listening to us. So please also check out Poets Up, you know, with Jay. And yeah, we're just here about promoting it and building community. So there's only love. I'm putting that in the chat wherever you get your podcasts. And by uh, chat, I mean comment section. What platform am I using? Okay. <laughs> um, switching gears a little bit. We've seen you compete yes. at Nerd Slams. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have seen you compete at Nerd Slams. It is no, no um, secret that no. you are of the nerd community. Um, what what would you say is your area of nerd expertise? Uh, definitely Star Wars. Um, okay. okay. Maybe a few things outside of that. Star Wars is the biggest one. Okay. Okay. Uh, so let me. I'm. 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 I will say I'm about moderate level of okay. knowledge when it comes to Star Wars. I was gonna do say you, I see you. yes. Do you I have you more? I definitely know. <laughs> I was like, oh, to me, I just saw like your face, like, hmm, how do I? I, I mean, I know Star Wars. Wars. I've seen all the movies. You know, I've seen the, 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 the first three multiple times, the second three a few times, the newer ones, not so much. The Mandalorian is still on my to do list. Um, so I know, I know, I know. The Mandalorian may be better than all of them except for the original trilogy. Yes. Oh. But I'm not gonna. We can't spoil it for you. Like the second, the end of it was great. Someone spoiled it for me, which I was like, "Wow, the cut!" Like (laughs) the universe will strike you down for ruining this like ending for me. But um, yes, I okay. So for me, so do you not consider the prequels at all? Like they are just like not canon. Like are you just like "Mm, it's hard relationship? I consider them canon, but I also consider them like comic books. I know these things happened mm-hmm. and I abbreviate in my mind what they were, but mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not great movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, you, I, if you cut them up in half, um, mm-hmm. like the, the second half of Attack of the Clones is pretty good. Yes. Um, and the second half of Revenge of the Sith is actually decent. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so then do you like Kylo Ren? One and then two. I know. <laughs> Do you like Kylo Ren too? And then the second question is: I know, like before the like the third, I guess, installment of uh, Star Wars. Actually, Leia was supposed to have twins. Are you hurt that they didn't use twins and they only used Kylo Ren as their like only child? When you say they were supposed to, do you mean based on the based on the books or do you, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I expect a certain amount of poetic license because because the, the books aren't considered canon at this point. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, I expected that they would change it up a little bit. So I wasn't disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think that I did think that Ray and Kylo were going to end up being the twins. And mm-hmm. that didn't happen. But uh, I wasn't disappointed, per se, because I knew they were going to have some po- poetic license. And what was the second question? Oh, no, that was basically it. Oh, if you like Kylo Ren, because oh, you know what? I think he's kind of, I don't know. I think he's this weird, attractive, like, angsty teen. <laughs> he 
do. I have a problem with Adam Driver being Kylo Ren. Okay, I just what? I do. All right, I'm throwing it out there. I'm sorry. After seeing Adam Driver in Girls, I can't see him as anything other than that. So. I, I, never, I never saw I never saw Girls, so maybe that's that's why I, I was okay with I was okay with Kylo Ren. I, I didn't mind them. Um, you know, I, I think uh, so. I think the whole thing about Kylo Ren and Ray is that. Um, I can't remember the name of the middle director. What was, what was, the, what was the middle director? It was J.J. It was Abrams for one and three. Ron, for was it Ron? Oh, man. Last um, Jedi. Yeah, wh whoever that director was hamstrung the whole process. So yes. I don't, I don't the, the second movie to me was definitely the weakest. And the third movie felt like it was just trying to, um, it just felt like it was trying to correct everything from the second movie. Um, mm -hmm. Everything felt like a direct opposition to everything we learned in the second movie. Um, yeah. It was hard to take it seriously. Um, so I don't know. I thought the I thought Force Awakens was pretty good. I thought Last Jedi was everything. Everything involving the sport, the Force, I think was okay. Everything in space was dumb to me. And then Ryan Johnson, yeah. Um, Ryan Johnson. I know. I was like, I have to say Ryan Johnson before. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I like Kylo Ren. I, I I don't think I liked what they did with him, mm. ultimately, but I do I do like Kylo Ren. Mm. See, I have like a unpopular opinion where I just don't like Ray and Kylo Ren um, together at no. all. That was just so weird. That kiss was forced. That kiss was like almost like predatory. Or, or is that genius? Or <laughs> did you have the same? <laughs> Tell me, Jay. Tell me the shit. Go did, ahead. Did you have the same feeling that you did rewatching the original trilogy after you knew that Luke mm -hmm. and Leia were brother and sister? Mm -hmm. You had that feeling because you expected Kylo and Rey to be brother and sister, and so you were like, "Ill yuck." So, what, so was it actually genius? <laughs> there you go. You're just saying, was it actually? Genius? There you go. There you go. Now we're taking the deep dive. I love it. <laughs> We're just like yes, we're geeking out. We're we're a little more loose every time. Like Chibi had like said this before, because um, we have a backstage. They're like, Raquel just needs to drink more because when Raquel drinks, she just gets nerdy, and we'll talk about Star Wars. And just, like, yes, yes, <laughs> this is what I've been saying this whole time. Raquel is an administrator. For those that don't know by now, Raquel is an administrator at a university, so she's used to being really buttoned up and just kind of like tick 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 tick, einzwei, 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 and. Uh, this is not this is not the platform for Einstein. All right, this is the platform <laughs> for nerding out over Star Wars. Okay, yeah. so here's my only contribution to the Star Wars conversation. Um, I was before all the new movies came out when it was just the six. I was really trying to figure out like, okay, when I have a kid, how are we watching these movies? You know, because I may not be like a a huge Star Wars fan, like huge Star Wars nerd, but I am a fan. You know, I love the movies. So what I found was the order to best watch them in is episode four, five, mm -hmm. then two, then three, then mm -hmm. six. Mm. And episode one is completely excluded because nothing important happens in it. It's a terrible movie. We can just move on. Is that correct? I don't know. You have to definitely watch still for the first one because if you're going to add in those, the individual ones like Han Solo, right? The Solo uh, movie, it goes into the first, um, like Phantom of the Menace. 
Maybe. Jay? <laughs> so I, I, it, it does depend. Are you ending with six just because it's the better movie? Or how, why mean, are you ending with six? I'm ending with six just because the other movies hadn't come out yet. And I, I, I've not invested myself in the newer movies as much. I'm sticking to, you know, the original three plus the prequels. If you have kids, if you have young kids, I say one, two, three, four, five, six. Because kids, kids like the original trilogy. There's nothing to hold on to. It's all animation. And, you know, it's, it's not a very serious story for the most of it. So, so one, two, three, they know who Anakin is. And then four, five, and six, they're a little older. And you say, now, boys and girls, now we see what happened with Anakin as Darth Vader. Um, and then I think that's the emotional investment of seeing this evil person that used to be Annie, you know, on Tatooine. Um, if it's a grown-up person that you care about, that was loud. Then I then I think you have to go four, five, six. Four four mm -hmm. is kind of boring. The first time you watch it, four is a little boring. It's slow, mm -hmm. um, and movies today aren't slow. Movies today are kind of fast-paced. Four is kind of slow-paced, but it sets you up for everything. Five is the best movie, but you can't end on it. You have to end on six. So yes. I would say. For a grown-up person you care about, four, five, six, one, two, three. For a child, one, two, three, four, five, six. All right. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. So final question. Yeah. Jay, mm -hmm. are you ready to freestyle? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta do too much research. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Are you free? Are you all freestyling? No, absolutely. <laughs> we're just fucking with you. Raquel and I do not freestyle. We just, you know, we re we saw that that was the thing you do on y'all's podcast. We thought it'd be funny. We don't freestyle. No. <laughs> I will not embarrass myself that much. Thank you, though. <laughs> if you have us on your show, we will uh, we will pathetically attempt to freestyle, but that is not happening on Words yeah. Show. Well... Well then, let's set that up. So apparently, apparently, Blue and Maul here are, are are watching. Uh, okay, so Maul just responded. Yeah, boom. So let's uh, so let's let's set that up. Let's let's set that up so that we can make fools of ourselves yeah, freestyling terribly. No, I will definitely. I'll cheat. I'll definitely cheat and come with like a little script just so I won't embarrass myself. <laughs> That's so fine. Much. So and you know what? And I'll just also throw like Spanish words that you probably y'all don't know, just to be like, oh shit, she's like, yeah. I'm like. <laughs> I mean, there's really no rules. Like we tell people mm -hmm. all the time, like if if you want to sing, if you want to just like say words, if you yeah. want to uh, freestyle a poem instead of a rap, you know, it's it's whatever. But so far, everybody's so far everybody's you know kind of sort of rap, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get y'all on immediately. We'll, we'll start scheduling that soon. I'm gonna steal Rocky's idea. I'm just gonna be like Maldonado, Esconado, Esconolomanovendonado, Salmido, Geno Coroco Senado, Shonomanovendonado. None of those are words, but it sounded great. <laughs> are they more words? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I just, I just want to say dale and be like dale, dale. Okay, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If if one more of you if one more of you does that, I will I will try to freestyle something. Well, 
Do you want to try it? Because I feel like you were doing very well. No, I, I was. It is your turn, friend. I was making shit up. I made up words. It didn't oh, happen. I know. Uh, I just feel like I want to do just that many, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it. I can't. I can't. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> we're done. We're done. That was cute. That was cute. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll say I'll save mine for when you guys are on the show. Boom. Oh. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Well, with that being said, uh, I think that's a great way to to kind of wrap up this conversation and everything that we've talked about. Um, can you just close this out with one more poem, then? Oh. oh okay. Yes. Uh, sure. You're like, wait. <laughs> I was going to freestyle. No. <laughs> Give us a poem. <laughs> I'd rather freestyle. Um, okay. You know, do what you, you know what, yes. I didn't say, do what you want, because when we had blues on here and we were like, close us out with one more poem, he's like, well, I'm going to make up a poem. And that's <laughs> how he closed us out. So, well, I mean, that's blues. Like, blues can freestyle a whole poem. Boo, <laughs> blues. Boo, um, blues. <laughs> like, if I rap, it would only be like four bars or like six bars. <laughs> Please. Okay, um, I'll, I'll try another poem that I haven't done in a while, but we'll see. Um <laughs> it's funny because I can see some of the comments pop up. Boo to you, Blues. Boo. <laughs> Legends say Africans once soared through the sky like blackbirds, but once enslaved and brought to America, they forgot their wings, forgot how to fly. One day, legends say, Massa look up and seeing black bodies floating right out the field, one by one, a cloud of freedom, a black rapture caught up in glory. This poem be North Star, Big Dipper, be slave song, be map to free, disguised as spiritual. This poem be amen. Oh yeah, this poem be black, black as you can handle, got wings too. Travel from Massa's Field to my grandfather's sharecrop shanty. From there to Selma, Montgomery, Cleveland, Little Rock. From there to Ferguson, Baltimore, Charlotte. From there to Fish Fry by the Lake. Cookout, be all legs from Frankie Beverly and Mays. Come on, be my uncle skin slumped in a chair after a big dinner. Be me beating on lunch tables at Conway Middle School. Be Miranda, protest, riot, cuffed and clipped. Be woke ain't the same as woke, mama say. When that day come, your wings gonna spread wider than an archangel with a smile to match. I say, Mama, how I'm gonna smile and open my back to the wind at the same time. She say, boy, don't you know you can fly, change, become something else entirely. The problem is reaction to change always been violent, always been chase and hound and water hose. Reaction to change always been, now why you wanna go and do that for? Why you wanna go and mess up a good thing? Why you won't not be satisfied with what we gave you? See, we never should have gave y'all nothing. What are we going to do about Harlem but take it back? What are we going to do about Black Wall Street but burn it down? What are we going to do but tell you what we're going to do and then do it and then ask you what you're mad for? Ain't you grateful? We be grateful for Solange and Viola, for Lapita, for Tank and the Bangers, for me and you, your mama and your cousin too. Oh, yeah, this poem be Black. But when I say Black, I mean resilient. When I say black, I mean love. When I say black, I mean fly. When I say black, I mean we can't be owned. When I say black, I mean a resilient love that can fly on its own. Because every black poem really just be a love poem. Be I love you. Be I love myself. Be we going to make it this time like we make it every time. And if they ask you how we did it, the answer is not love. It's heart. 
Not steadfast, it's shift, not intention, it's movement, not a wall. It's Jericho, the answer to any question is not a trump that raises a wall. It's a trumpet that brings one down. What work, how hard, why shift, when now, where movement, who Joshua, what ram horn, why fall, why disrupt, who left the gate open, if this the plantation, what they gonna do without us? Look at this view, how we get up so high after being brought so low, cover so much ground. Ain't we beautiful? Oh yeah, you got wings. Just cause they forgotten or called home or cuffed or clipped don't mean, don't mean, don't mean you ain't been flying. This whole time. Thank y'all so much. Applause, 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 applause. Wow. Wow. It's always such a joy to like just hear you read and perform. So thank you. Thank you. This has been a great episode. I'm so glad to see your friend, you know, see you friend. And you're doing well. And you're still just like giving chills to people. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, I know we have it displayed on the screen, for, but for anybody who's listening to the podcast afterwards, where can people find you? Where can people find your work? Where can they get in touch? All of that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so the book, Sing Me a Lesser Wound, micro chat book is only $4. Um, it's available at bullcitypress.com. Um, the upcoming book I'll make announcements about on Facebook is just Jay Ward on um on Instagram, it's the letter J W A R D two zero three zero, and yeah, that, I guess that's it. That's it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's been Jay Ward. Uh, thank you so much for being on here. This has been a phenomenal hour. I am reveling in the southernness of all of us. So, <laughs> thank you for that last poem and for all of this. Thank y'all so much. It's, it's, it's been great for me. It's been a great episode, and uh, and y'all y'all do your research. Y'all really do your research. all right oh rocky chibi rocky (laughs) how do we how do we how do we we wrap this up how do we i don't know i just feel like a lot of southern pride you know every time we bring in like a southern poet um i definitely get hyped up and i miss home but i you know jay represents north carolina which is a little up more than you know <laughs> north of south but still south <laughs> south um but i definitely feel a lot of that like southern pride right now i i definitely you know it's just great to have friends on like friends that we've known that we shared community with that we've like competed and also cheered on for um this was a great podcast or episode really yeah. for him to be there yeah. um yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think about like the words I I want to use to to reflect or to recap or what I'm feeling, and I think more so it's, it's just community, really, just community, just upbringing. Um, all these people, yeah, yeah. I 
I, I want to get to my words, but I want to answer this question uh, that we have in the comments. Is the micro chat book digital? I do not believe it is. Um, it is only $4. It's available on bullcitypress.com. So please go get his work because it's fantastic. Uh, and you absolutely should. Um, I think what I'm left with after this conversation is just level up. Mm. Level up, level up, level up. You know, uh, because there is there. there. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> or do if it gets us followers. Um, because there is this, there is this, this idea that you know, and we kind of talked about it. This like stage to page transition, the merger of the two, and all of that, and how. Um, how we continue to elevate our craft, how we continue to elevate our voices in our communities, uh, and how uh, Jay's been able to in his community and in his work, and how a lot of us continue to strive to, you know, um, because of, I think, and I don't, I'm not trying to impose things on people, but how the academic world has viewed the slam world for so long and how there are people out there, you know, like Jay mentioned, Dinesh Smith, Franny Choi, uh, Patricia Smith, just to name a few uh, really great ones that have been like, y'all, I can do both, okay? Um, so that's that's kind of sticking with me because that's, that's what I'm getting from our conversation today, that like, what we know of Jay Ward is only the beginning of where it's going to continue to go and how the rest of us can kind of like learn from that and uh, continue to grow ourselves in so many different avenues because uh, he mentioned in his last poem, Tank and the Bangas, you know, uh, a lot of people like Tank, like Jill Scott, like Saul Williams started in Slam, but elevated, leveled up grew to another another level of their craft and their form and um i can't wait to see where all of my slam people that i've known in the past you know 15 ish years uh take their career and their craft so that's that's where uh i'm at let's um let's Let's thank some people and get up out of here so we can drink some more. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. All right. So thank you to the audience who is tuned in tonight and who has been watching this and also to the audience that's listening on the podcast or watching on the YouTube afterwards. Um, thank you to also right about now for allowing us to broadcast on their network so that we can continue to expand this reach and get this conversation out to more people, uh, as many people as possible to our production crew, Dominique holding it down in the background. And that's part of my freestyle because that's how we wrap in this buck wild south all right i'm gonna stop and chris conde thank you to them for producing our uh intro music yeah and if you haven't done so please follow us on our ig and also on twitter our twitter uh, twitter um it's basically at words and shh right um please 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 follow us i know that last week we hit over 300 followers we're just continuing to grow um 
yes, go tell your friends, go tell your family, go tell other poets about us. Uh, we want y'all to, to continue to follow us in the greatest way possible. And of course, if this is your first time or not your first time, you can absolutely go and catch past episodes on our YouTube channel, Words and Shit. Uh, please make sure you subscribe. Once we get 100 subscribers, we can change it to a custom URL and it doesn't have to be that super long sprawl. Um, or if YouTube isn't your thing, if you just want to like pop it into your headphones and like fold laundry while you listen to amazing uh, poetry conversations, we're available wherever you get your podcast. Please uh, rate and review us just as a way to get this out there to everybody so that we can continue to spread. We've had over 45 different poets featured on this platform so far. Uh, and we just want to continue to expand that reach and get these poets' words and stories out there. Yes. And definitely come back next week. Tell your friends, like we said, come back next week, same time, same place um, for our next feature. Right. Um, we'll be Thursday, uh, basically next week with Natalia Trevino. Okay. Yes. Um, what? I think it actually starts on March 1st. Oh, not March 1st. April. April, right? Uh, it's going to be our first podcast episode in April. No, that can't be right. That's uh, a lot. Yeah. It, no, I'm sorry. March 25th. I, I'm March 25th. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's okay. March 25th. Natalia Trevino. Yes. We're in a pandemic. What is time? As far it's as I'm concerned, time. everything that happened only happened like six months ago because the past year has been completely erased from my memory. Uh, but yes, Natalia Trevino, San Antonio, amazing poet, mm -hmm. legend. Uh, we'll be on here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Until next week, y'all stay safe out there. Yes. Have a great night. Bye, y'all. <laughs>